with me in your Bible to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 5. Now, we ministered on this last Sunday, and I told you that we were going to try and complete it. But I can also tell you that the Lord has, in the meantime, has shown me some more things. <laughs> so I'm going to get through it all today. And if not, we'll try and get to it next weekend. Amen. Revelation chapter 5, and I want to start again at the first verse. Revelation 5, verse 1. And I saw on the right hand of him that sat on the throne a scroll or a book written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book and to loose its seals? And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look on it. And I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and to read the scroll, neither to look on it. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose its seven seals. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent forth into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him, that sat upon the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open its seals. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And hath made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beasts and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature that is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as that are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the lamb forever and ever and the four beasts said amen and the four and twenty elders fell down and worshiped him that liveth forever and ever and we want to go to the sixth chapter but before I do that let me just set it for you what John is seeing is the real beginning of revelation knowledge where God begins to reveal the deeper things of his power to a man though he was once fallen has now been restored and lifted up into a place of sonship in other words God through Christ is showing us and what John was seeing was not something that's going to happen hello John was seeing what God is doing even right here in these services. 
where Christ is opening the seals, where Christ is stepping forward through his advocacy as the lamb slain and bringing us into a place of communion and fellowship with our Father, where the Father is not hiding things from us. But see, when your child grows up, you talk to your children. You share with them family secrets and you share with them the family knowledge. You share with them the important things of life. And the Bible, does it not say that our Father would withhold no good thing from us? We are the children of God. And beloved, God does not want his people walking around in ignorance. Talk to Brother Paul, say amen. One of the most effective ways to keep people in bondage is to keep them in ignorance. To keep them bound with religious dogmas that border on hoodoo and voodoo. Come on, talk to me. There is nothing more simple and more upfront and more out in the open than truth. And the Bible says that God is a God of love. And Jesus said, I am the truth. One of the reasons that the religious people of his day did not receive him because it was too simple. He said, all you have to do is believe on the words that I speak. But you see, the natural man cannot afford simplicity. He cannot accept things by faith. He has to make it complicated, convoluted, and walk in some natural realm of thinking himself to be intelligent and when you try and make yourself intelligent instead of accepting things for what they are you have to read into it things that are not there you have to make something out of nothing and make mountains out of molehills which is exactly what has happened with the religious realm instead of accepting the kingdom of God by faith and by the revelation power of the Lord Jesus Christ they've walked off in the realm of doctrines and they're walking off in the realms of religious ideology and the dogmas and the teachings of man instead of being led by the Spirit. Beloved, even on this Sunday, just think of the number of people that their souls have been fed not of the living bread and not of the living water, but they have been given the knowledge, the polluted knowledge of man, trying to awaken the social consciousness and the thinking of the intellectual process. Beloved, let us understand that you do not come into the fullness of God with this mind, but you must be touched by the power of the Holy Spirit and this inner man, this soul, must be quickened in the fullness of the power of God. Can you say amen? Now, what John was seeing was exactly what we're experiencing. Christ was the one worthy to take from the Father the figure of authority on the throne. Now, we understand that this is not a physical thing. See, John was seeing a spiritual revelation. Now, let me just show you something. God always works in the spirit realm first. And then what he does, he gives us a natural example for what he has already accomplished in the spirit. All you have to do is go back and look at the book of Genesis. On the first day, God said, let there be light. Now that was a spiritual manifestation. That was the first mention in the Bible of Jesus Christ. Somebody said, what are you talking about? Does not the Bible say that Christ was that light? And what did, what did God call the light? He called the light day. Jesus Christ is the day of the Lord. He is the day of God's visitation and manifestation. We live in the visitation time of Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. We are living under that covenant that was sealed in his blood. Can you say amen? 
Now the first mention of Christ was all the way back in Genesis when God said, let there be light. And he saw the light that it was good and he called the light day. Somebody said, now Brother Paul, that's dumb. That's this sunlight out here that we got right here. No, no, no. God didn't do that until the fourth day. Hello? On the fourth day was when God put the, the sun, the moon, and the stars in the physical realm. God always works in the spirit first. Let me just show you. Did you know that Christ had already died in the spiritual sense a long time before he ever hung on the cross? What do you mean? That physical death on the cross was just a physical example of what had already happened in the spirit. Does not the Bible say that he was the lamb slain from the foundations? Hello? The Bible said he's the lamb slain from before the foundations of the world. Before the worlds were framed, God already had a lamb. He already had a sacrifice. It was the fullness of his son, Jesus Christ, who, as history tells us, from what we know man, man's history, according to biblical experts, man has been here about 6,000 years. So about 4,000 years after God made man a living soul, God sent forth his son as his word in physical form, to do in the natural what had already been done in the spirit. Somebody hear me say amen. Now what John is seeing, John is seeing a physical representation of what has already been happening in the spirit. At different sovereign times, God has revealed his plan. God has revealed his kingdom to those that were in the flesh. The Bible said that Enoch walked with God. And he was not, for God took him. Now, you know why God took him? Because God had revealed the fullness of his plan to him. And God had revealed to him the glories of his kingdom. And, beloved, when God reveals the glory of his kingdom and it comes alive in you, honey, you're not going to stay in this natural realm because you will have done everything there is to do. No wonder God had to take Enoch. No wonder God had to take Elijah. No wonder God had to take Moses. Man, they, huh? They had walked into the realms of power where no one else had ever been. And God said, I got to take these folk because see what happened. They were starting to walk on dangerous ground where they were taking the power of God. And every time they got a little kernel, they could take that power and they nail somebody with it. God told Moses, God said to Moses, said, you speak to the rock. Moses spoke and no water came. Moses got maddened by the power of God. He smote the rock. God said, uh-oh. Hello? God said, I got to get him out of there. I got to get that boy out of that natural realm because the next time he'll get mad at the Israelites and haul off and nail them. Hello? See, we're all wondering when the end's going to come. 
My God, when's the end of time? I'll tell you when it's going to come. When the body of Christ arises into that perfection and the fullness of the victory that God has ordained. And when we have come into our fullness and our manifestation as the sons and daughters of God in spiritual maturity. And we are walking in the realms of creative miracle power where we speak the word. Where we come into the fullness of truly being the light of the world. We will have accomplished everything that can be accomplished in this natural realm. And then it will be time to lay this body down and descend into the glorious realms of eternal power. Hallelujah. Now, watch this. John was seeing Christ. In fact, what he already did. See, somebody said, well, Brother Paul, now this had to be after, after Calvary because the people are already proclaiming thou hast redeemed us by the blood. Not at all. All those sacrifices under the Old Testament we're all a type of Christ. Amen? All of those animals that they shed the blood of in the Old Testament order under the pre Levitical priesthood, those were all a type of Christ. Now, let's go one step farther. Jesus was the only one who could take what was of, of the Father and open it and reveal unto a man the Bible said there is one mediator between man and God, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me, somebody? Now, you know what's very tragic? When he walked on this earth, they did not want to receive the message that he brought. And you know why? It was spiritual instead of carnal. They were not looking for someone to bring them back and restore them in the spirit. Natural man is not looking for spiritual deliverance. Na and I'm going to hit some of you today and you all going to love me while I do it. Natural man wants his high blood pressure healed. Wants his warts burned off. Wants his glaucoma taken care of. Let his soul go to hell as long as he can pay his light bill. And come on, y'all talk to me, somebody. Beloved, it is time for God's people to get their priorities in the right order and for us to recognize that the most valuable thing we possess is the spiritual soul that we are and that we've got to have the right relationship with God. And if we have not the right relationship with God, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his so what shall a man give in exchange? Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Now, let me just tell you something. See, one of, the, one of the problems you contend against is not only the natural thinking of people, but these false prophets that cater to people's natural greed. Huh? Get my devil be gone package. Hello? Honey, I got news for you. I already got my devil be gone package. And you know when I got it? When I got washed in the blood of the Lamb and the Spirit of God said unto me, Sin had no dominion over you. When Jesus said unto me, I give you power over all the powers of hell. Shout amen, somebody. Hallelujah. This is not something you rub on your head. 
talk to Brother Paul. This is not something you eat a spoonful of every day. Man, my Bible said you're to live in the Spirit. You're to walk in the Spirit. Somebody hear me say amen. Now, when you have your priorities in the right order, you will begin to see. What has happened is that our souls have been made merchandise of. They are prostituting the gospel. Talk to Brother Paul. Thinking that great gain is godliness. Come on, talk to me, somebody. And some of you right here know that the only problem with all this, and it sounds good to the natural man, well, I'm going to go to that revival. I'm going to get my blood pressure. He, mm, the only problem is your blood pressure ain't going to mean a thing when you stand before God. Honey, the only blood pressure that you better worry about was the pressure of that blood that was to have washed you and cleansed you from all unrighteousness. Somebody say amen. I don't want to get bogged down with this, but let me just say this to you, beloved. Let's, as God's people, let's be prudent and let's be wise. And one of the quickest ways to check out somebody, what is the ultimate desire of that ministry or that person? What are they really striving for? Are they trying to feed my soul? Are they trying to bring me into a relationship with God? Or are they trying to pass off some religious nonsense that ultimately brings me under bondage to that person? Huh? Because see, now that you've got my devil be gone package, you've got to have my prosperity plan. Because see, the devil be gone package won't work without the prosperity plan. Now, don't y'all look at me like that. Some of you right here, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you fulfill the prophecy of P.T. Barnum. Somebody said, was he a prophet in the Bible? No, he was a circus man. And you know what he said? He said, there's a sucker born every minute. That's pretty strong language, but I'm going to lay it on you anyhow. If you are following after somebody's natural scheme and somebody's natural plan to get a blessing from God, honey, you are a sucker. Somebody said, "Woo, that's pretty strong. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't preach it. It's time for God. Now, I know some of you, I'm stepping on you. Amen. It's time for God's people to realize that those are nothing but the enemy deceiving people with a religious sounding form, with a something that has enough scripture thrown in to make it appear religious, but it has absolutely nothing to do with spiritual deliverance. The very thing that they crucified Christ for is the very thing that people even today do not want to receive. The church of Jesus' day was not looking for a spiritual deliverance to bring them into sonship in God, to wash them from their sins, but they were looking for a man that would overthrow the Roman rulers, that would destroy the works of Herod that would uh, tear down the strongholds of the Roman dictators but instead they got a Messiah that said don't worry about the Romans what you need to worry about is your soul bound and is your soul in prison and if it is it needs to be liberated and the only way you can be liberated is to believe on the words that I speak for I am the truth and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. If you believe it, clap your hands and say amen. 
Now, John was seeing what Christ desires to give to every one of us. He was seeing the Lord opening the book which reveals the master plan of God. Are you hearing me? Now, the first seal, now let me just show you something. This book came from God, is that right? That, that were, it was God that held the book. So you got to understand that everything that comes out of those seals is also from God. Hello? Now, the first seal that is open, go to the sixth chapter. Somebody start at the first verse. King James Version, stand up and read it for me. And I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, I heard as it were the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts saying, Come and see. And I saw, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat on him, had a bow and a crown was given unto him and he went forth conquering and to conquer all right now those of you that were here last week i'm not going to go back and preach last week's message those of you that were here last week we found out that this white horseman was a false antichrist a false spirit that imitated the reality of Christ. Don't, now somebody said, why? First of all, what color is he dressed in? Which represents righteousness. Remember when Jesus said in Revelation 3, Buy of me white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Why? And we're, Now you understand, Brother Paul, as far as in the natural, I care less if you're polka dotted. And so when we talk about something white, I'm not, we're not exalting one color above another. What we're talking about here is spiritually significant things. I think you all are grown up enough to understand that. Amen. So half of you that never met me before, you hear me on the radio, you, th you think I'm black. So if you come here all hung up and, and, you know, looking for a black man and I get up here on white face and preach and it upsets you because I'm white, see, you're not walking in the spirit. Amen. Because it doesn't matter what color you are. I'm the only color that counts with God is red. Whether you're washed in the blood. Somebody talk to me and say amen. All right, now, this white represents the righteousness represents a type of righteousness which looks and has the appearance of virtue. Also, the Bible says that he has on his head what? A crown, which represents authority, honor. Also, the Bible says that he has in his hand a bow. But notice there is no arrow. He has the weapons of war. He has what appears to be power, honor, and glory. He is on a white horse. He is dressed in white, having the appearance of spiritual integrity. 
but he is a fault. Does not the Bible say that Satan himself at times is transformed into an angel of light? Come on, talk to me, somebody. All right, now you say, well, Brother Paul, if it looks good and it looks righteous and it looks holy, how will I know? Number one, you don't live by how something looks. Huh? And, you don't, and when I say look, I don't just mean with the eye. You do not live by appearances. It may sound religious. It may sound righteous. It may sound spiritual. But if it does not bear witness, talk to Brother Paul. If it does not bear, somebody get 2 John. Uh, 1 John 4, I'm sorry. Somebody get 1 John 4. Keep Revelation. We'll get back to there in a minute. Revelation, First uh, uh, John 4. Stand up and start reading the first verse. Beloved, believe not every... Now, now, now look here. You can't not only not judge someone just because of their fleshly manifestation... John is also saying there are going to be some spirits out there that look good, feel good, sound good. But he said you can't even believe that. Now let me just, just stay right here, Jackie. But let me just show you something. In the book of Acts, Paul was being mightily used of God. Paul and Peter were going about doing a great work for God. And there was a little girl, a young lady, that would go before them saying these are mighty men of God. She wasn't saying anything bad. Wasn't, in fact, she was helping them, or so it seemed. When Paul came to that girl, the Bible said he cast out the spirit of what? Divination. Now, what is the spirit of divination? It's very simply, when we walk in God's spirit, we have discernment. When people walk in fellowship with the devil, they have divination. They can divine something. They can know something. And see, the problem was she knew, or the spirit in her knew, that if it opposed the men of God, it would be automatically a confrontation, and that spirit would lose. So the spirit thought to be wise and crafty. And, you know, if you can't beat them. But see, Paul knew that spirit. He was not taken by her words. Talk to Brother Paul. Now, what am I saying? There are many people that sound religious. They know how to shout. They know when to cry. They know when to fall out and bust their head on the floor like they fell out in the spirit. They know how to... Y'all better talk to me next time. It's going to be my shoe. Amen? And see, when we see somebody running around like a strangled chicken, and you know, they're going, bah, 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 you know, so many of us, we say, Ooh, my Lord, touch not the Lord's anointed. Just because somebody talks in tongues and hoops and hollers does not mean they are the Lord's anointed. Now, go back and read this again. Beloved, believe not every spirit. But try the Spirit, whether they are of God. Read on. 
because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Now, let me just show you something. It doesn't mean that what they're saying is false. But a lot of times, it's the motive. Now, Brother Paul has preached to you that sin is not an act. Sin is an attitude. It's a motive. It's a spirit. And see, there are a lot of people that do in the flesh the right things. But their spiritual motive is corrupt. See, and I've used this illustration before, but it's a real simple one. Let me use it again. I walk up to this man and I say, Brother Julian, I love you. If I mean that from the depths of my heart, it's a blessing to him and it's a blessing to me. If I walk up to him and say, Brother Julian, I love you. And the only reason I'm telling him that is to set him up. And uh, Brother Julian, you know, I've had a little rough time this last week and I need $72 million. You think you... Lord have mercy. Or... Or if I go to him and say, Brother Julian, I love you. And inside I'm saying, you no good, low-down, cross-eyed, hunchback, yellow-bellied, pigeon-toed, knock-kneed, good-for-nothing thing. Now on the outside, it looked right. It looked kind and caring. Talk to Brother Paul. And some of you, before you begin to come into revelation knowledge and the discernment of spirits, you couldn't understand. Some of the people that seem the nicest to your face. And I'm not talking about people out in the world. I mean right in the church. Some of the people that, oh, I love you. Somebody would come to you and say, you know what she's been saying? No, she wouldn't say that. She loves me. Hello? Y'all don't like this kind of preaching, I can tell. Somebody said, well, Brother Paul, you've got to look for the good in everybody. No, honey, you better look for the Spirit of God in everybody. And if they do not have that Spirit in them, if it doesn't witness with your Spirit, you better keep your hands off of them, stay out of their fellowship, sit not in the seat of the scornful, stand not in the way of sinners, but separate yourself from them. For what fellowship hath light with darkness? Somebody say amen. Are you with Brother Paul? Now there are many false prophets. Finish the verse. Was that the end of the verse? Oh, okay. That's all I need from that one. Now go back to Revelations, Revelation 6. Now look again. Let's read the description of this thing again. He was what? I saw a white horse. And he that sat upon him had a bow and what? And a crown. Now he looks virtuous, but he is the spirit of Antichrist. Now, if you will also notice, now you remember, Brother Paul said that God always works in the spirit, in the spirit realm first. But also, God gives us a natural example or a natural demonstration, a natural manifestation. To show us what he has done in the spirit. Alright now let me just show you something. Not only is this white horseman spiritual. Going about conquering and to conquer. 
Now, this spirit comes with a spirit of light. I mean, it looks right, has the appearance of truth. But you will notice that his desire and his purpose is to conquer. Now, see, that's the difference between the true Christ and this deceitful Christ, manifestation, antichrist. Christ did not come to conquer his own. He came to vanquish the enemy and bring his own into fellowship with the Father. Do you understand the difference? This Antichrist spirit has but one goal. Not to bring anybody into fellowship, not to lift anyone up, but rather to rule and to conquer. Are you hearing me? All right, now, go one step farther. He cannot conquer with real spiritual authority. He has to do it by a lie. Look at my crown. See, I've got a bow here. I look right. I'm on a white horse. You better believe me. How many preachers have that same kind of attitude? Talk to Brother Paul keep people in bondage some of you since you've been coming to these services amen that preacher where you been huh see that ought to let you know right there when they consider you their property when they consider that you belong to them they have already sold your soul talk to brother paul see i can tell you right there's not one person in this place that belongs to me god trusted you to my care for these few hours but honey you belong to god he is the master, am I right? He is the one that is in control and in charge. Somebody talk to Brother Paul, say amen. All right, now, he has to control by a lie. Is that right? He has no arrow that can pierce. Now, the true Christ has an arrow that is piercing, sharper than any two-edged sword. The living word. All right, now, Satan has already been defeated. Huh? Did not Jesus say, it is? All right, but now watch this. If you look at natural elements and natural circumstances, it doesn't look like the devil's been defeated. Right? Sickness, financial problems. My God, your kids on dope. Things are messed up. Huh? And boy, here comes the devil. Oh, some of y'all never saw Jaws. God bless you. He comes around saying, See, I haven't been defeated. Look what I'm doing. Now, the Bible says that he walketh about, 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, walketh about seeking. Now, folks, the key word in that verse is seeking. Who he may devour. He's looking for folks. It didn't say he's devouring anybody. He's, may I devour you? May I devour you? I'm looking for somebody. Could I please devour you? 
Now, see, we can now see this kind of dumb because we can sit here and say, oh, Brother Paul, no, I wouldn't let him devour me. But see, the devil's not quite that ignorant. You know what the devil does? You go to the doctor. The doctor says, I'm sorry. Said, but the heart problem is very bad. You're going to have to have bypass surgery. We're not even sure if you're going to come through. Oh, I knew it. I knew it. Daddy had it. Grandma had it. Aunt Susie had it. It's my turn. You just got devoured. Hello? The devil comes and says, you're no good. You've sinned against God. You've backslidden. You're not worthy to be healed. Don't you ask God for one thing? And what do we do? Well, maybe you're right, devil. Or, huh? You just got devoured. Now let me show you something. Somebody said, well, Brother Paul, if Satan has been defeated, how come he gets to do all these things? Amen. Did it ever dawn on you that, number one, maybe all those things that he does should have absolutely no bearing on your spiritual relationship with God? Now, now be honest with me. Don't a majority of people preach, if you get sick, or you have a financial problem, there's something wrong inside. Huh? Am I right? If you don't have your miracle, there's something wrong with you. You of little faith. Don't you have what it takes? Name it, claim it, and frame it, blab it, and grab it. Come on. Hello? Now wait just a minute, hot shot. You better go back and read your Bible. Paul said, I have learned in whatever state I am in to be content. Now you understand, man, Paul had 39 stripes on his body. Paul was thrown in jail any number of times. He was beaten for the sake of the gospel. But Paul also had the knowledge, what shall separate us from the love of God? There is neither nothing above earth or below. There is neither power nor principality. Nothing. Now, see what, you know what this ought to show you? That your natural circumstances do not determine your spiritual walk with God. Some of you right now, now let me just, let me go to the other end. When you are walking where you ought to walk in God, it will make an impact on your everyday life. Amen. But see, one of the things that a lot of religious people cannot understand, and some of you have always talked to Brother Tom about it before the service, and, and a lot of, some of you have kind of had a little trouble with some of your religious friends. Because, see, they can't understand why even though you still have problems and you still, you, you're at peace, you're not all worried about it, and you're not walking around, God, give me a new car, God, give me a new car, God, give me a new husband, I claim it in Jesus. You're not all hung up on things. Hello? And see, they don't understand that. You know, you get sick, and instead of saying, I bind this sickness, I bind it now in the name of Jesus, you walk around just saying, praise the Lord. All things work together for good. I know that I shall come forth as gold. And they're looking at you, you fool. Get in that healing line. 
And then you look at them and say, why? Because you need to be healed. And then you say, but I already have. And see, they don't understand that our victory is accomplished first in the spirit. And folks, when you have the spiritual assurance that the work is already done, you don't care about when the natural sign follows. You just know that you know that it shall be done. That if God said it, he will do it. For God is not slack concerning his promise, but God is able to do that which is gone forth out of his mouth. If you believe it, would you clap your hands and say amen? See, the problem is, when you walk after the flesh, you mind the things of the flesh. Amen? Now see, the religious community can't understand that. Now folks, if you really want the perfect example of this, all you have to do is go back and look at the life of Christ. Now folks, in the natural, he died a disgrace. Son of God, strung up as a common thief, a common criminal, suffered a most embarrassing death. They pierced him with nails, thrust a sword or a spear in his side, put on him a crown of thorns. And you know what they were doing? They were making fun of him. Okay, if you're the king of the Jews... Here's your crown. And above him on the cross, there was an inscription, King of the Jews. He died in, in embarrassment in the natural. But folks, in the spirit, his blood was shed as a ransom for the whole world. Amen? Now, folks, can you imagine what would have happened if Jesus Christ would have gone through that in 1984? You know what? The same church people that get on some of us because we don't run around worried about the kind of car we drive, those same people would have, would have gathered around the foot of the cross. Speak the word, brother! Decree it! Name it and claim it! Blab it and grab it! Come on, brother! And then you know what they would have said after he died? Unbeliever. Am I, now, y'all better talk to me. Some of you right here have been through that very thing. In your natural things have not turned out like the way God told you they were in the spirit. You know, one of the problems that we get into sometimes is when we go and tell people what God's going to do. And if those people are not in the same realm of the Spirit, pretty soon those people will use your words against you. Now, if you're really where you say you are in God, you told me that such and so was going to happen, and it did not happen. Now, honey, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with what you're believing. Amen? Now, if, now what you need to do is find somebody that walks in the same realm of the Spirit 
And when things don't happen, and you may even in your mind have some questions, you can go to that person and say, you know, I don't doubt God, but I, you know, my natural, I would say, God, where is my answer? And you know what that person will do? They'll say, let's pray. Let's believe God together. If God said he'll do it, it's done. Somebody talk to Brother Paul. Now, many of us, many of us through religious form have fallen prey to this conquering spirit. And folks, if you're not careful, you get caught up in that whole syndrome. Now, what it does, have you ever seen, uh, uh, have you ever heard about these pyramid investment schemes? In other words, they, they tell, look, they tell 50 people, give me 50 bucks. You find 50 people to give you 50 bucks. Give me 25 of it. And we're going to invest in this thing. You want to make, you know, double your money. And what they do is they take the other suckers down the road. <laughs> they take their money to pay off the first people. And then the first people say, oh, yeah, it's legitimate. I, boy, I put my money in there, double my money. And, boy, that just brings in more suckers every minute. Amen? But actually, nobody is really getting anything. All right, now, if you will notice, and I'm, I'm going to step on somebody's toes here today, our ministries, and Brother Paul, and I have asked God to help us. But, you know, our ministries, we want to publicize. You know, the people that got up out of a wheelchair. And Brother Paul prays for people that get up out of a wheelchair. We want to publicize that God lengthened somebody's arm. Or, or, you know, God helped them grow back a finger. Yeah, but what about their soul? You never in any of our... And, and I know Brother Paul's getting ready to put out a magazine, and I, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, help me put things in there that will edify the kingdom. Amen? And you know, in our magazines and stuff, we never put in there testimonies from people that were spiritually enriched. You know, we never put in there, this woman received revelation, knowledge of the kingdom, and she's matured in God. No, 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 no. We want to put in, this lady was dead for 12 years and she came back. You know why? Because we're catering to the carnal mind. Amen? And people feel, oh, if I can just get that man to touch me. Oh, if I can just get that man's hanky. If I can just get that man to rub his anointed hand on my head. Y'all talk to me now. Beloved, what are we seeking? Talk, boy, it's getting kind of quiet in here today. Now, folks, if you're not careful, you get caught up into seeking things. Amen? The only problem is you can have all the things you want, but only Jesus can see. And when he had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, Come and see. And there went out another horse that was red. And power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. That they should kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. sword. And when he had opened the third seal, I heard another voice that was red. 
All right, we'll stop there. Now, let me just show you something about the red horseman. Jesus said, you think that I come to bring peace. But he said, I come with a sword to do what? To divide father against son, mother against daughter, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, son-in-law against father-in-law. Now, what does that mean? First of all, if you want to understand something, Jesus was speaking and referring to the fact that every person must have their own personal relationship with him. You know, the old expression, you can't ride daddy's coattails into glory. Well, there is truth in that. Secondly, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. And yet he turned right around and said, my peace I give to you. Now that doesn't seem right, does it? Go to Matthew 13. Keep, keep Revelation marked. But go to Matthew, the 13th chapter. And start with the 11th verse. Now, the disciples have just asked Christ why he speaks to the people in parables. Start at the 11th verse, somebody. And he answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. Now watch this next one. For whosoever hath to him shall be given. And he shall have more abundance. But whoever hath not from him shall be taken away even that which he hath. That's, that's really all I need. Now, what is that? That doesn't, sound, doesn't, doesn't really make much sense, does it? Until you begin to look at it in the Spirit. Jesus is referring first to the difference between those that are of religious knowledge and those that have been ordained by the Spirit. They said, Master, why do you speak to all these people in a riddle? In parables. Jesus said, because unto you. Now you have to look at what Jesus doesn't say, but what's implied. He said, unto them it is not given. But unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Now, King James says heaven, but the Greek does not say heaven. It says the heavenlies, which represents not a physical place in the sky in the sweet by and by. It represents the spirit realm. Now, if any of you have not done it, I really would encourage you to go to a Bible bookstore and get a Greek to English New Testament. It will be very beneficial to you. Get a Greek to English New Testament where they show you what the King James says and then it has the Greek written out and underneath it the English. Been one of the greatest helps to me in my Christian walk. Because I found out that the King James Version misses a lot 
uh, of, what the, of what the truth really is from the Greek manuscripts. Now, the heavenlies. In fact, you will find when Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, in the Greek, it is not heaven a natural place. It is the realm of the heavenlies. In fact, the same word where Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, the Bible also says we are made to sit. Now see, now wait a minute. It's the same word in the Greek. But see, they take it in a different meaning and give it a different meaning. When Paul said it, we are made to sit in heavenly places. Now, everybody, most everybody agrees that's a spiritual realm. But when they talk about the kingdom of heaven, they think about a big white city in the sky. But it's the same word. Where the problem lies is in man's understanding. Man has to think that the kingdom of the heavenlies is a place. Hello? Are you with Brother Paul? Somebody said, this sounds kind of weird. No, I'll tell you what the problem is. It sounds spiritual. That's the problem. All right, now, Jesus says, unto those folk it is not given, but unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of the spirit realm. All right, now, Jesus says, unto him that hath. Now, what is he talking about? Now, you got to look at the verse before he said, unto you it is given to know. All right, now what is the word know? What, what is, what, what is the, the, the word know? Actually, uh, to know something, well, but not only that, but the, 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 the noun from the word know is knowledge, information, understanding. All right, Jesus says to him that hath, and let's put the word knowledge, because that's what he's really talking about, a revelation knowledge, in this sense, spiritual understanding. Jesus said to him, shall be given. Even more than what he already has. He shall have what? What does it say? Abundantly. Now, what does the last part of that verse say? And whosoever hath not knowledge, what's going to happen to him? From him shall be taken even that which he hath. Now, we automatically look at the red horseman and say it's of the devil because he has given power to take peace from the earth. But you better look again. Because let me show you something. This may be what we could, would consider a manifestation of satanic power. But remember, all the powers that be are ordained of God. This Antichrist spirit happened because God ordained it. See, this is the way somebody said, boy, that doesn't seem right. That God would send a deceiving spirit. Sure it does. You know why? Because God wants you to make sure you walk after him. And he's not going to let you know him after the flesh. You've got to know him after the spirit. Secondly, he sends forth a red horseman with the power to take peace from... Now, the earth does not mean this planet. Earth means the natural realm of mankind, the sea of humanity. That's the earth. Jesus said, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Not on earth. It, we are the earth. Humanity is earth. Hello, I saw some of you start, I can't come, that will be done on earth. No, you better go back and read it. 
Amen. It's in earth. God's will is not going to be manifested on you. It's going to be manifested more accurately through you. Somebody hear me say amen. amen. All right, now, let's, let, let's look at it again. Here comes, the, let's go back and keep, keep Matthew again. But go back to Revelation 6. Now, what does this red horse do? He has been given power to do what? To take peace from the earth and what else? That they should kill one another. Now, if you read that back to Matthew 13, Jesus said, first of all, to those that hath revelation knowledge, I'm going to give more so that they might have abundantly. But to those that have not, now he didn't say they wouldn't have knowledge. He just said they wouldn't have the fullness of the revelation, the mysteries of the kingdom. He said, from them shall be taken even that which they have. Now, why do you think these religious realms and these religious denominations, they last for a few years and then they die out? And somebody, now folks, I want you to understand something. Our churches as we know them today have not really been in existence all that long. Hello? They really haven't. They haven't been around here all that long. And you notice that after a while somebody comes up, oh, I got a new, I got a new doctrine. Got a new truth. Huh? So pretty soon this church starts. Look, at, look, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopal, they're dying. And, and the Baptist is kind of starting to make a come on. The Charismatics, they're kind of coming in. Right? But you watch. If they deviate from the truth, it will not be very long before the same thing that happened to the Methodist and a lot of these other places in the Catholic Church. Now, I'm sorry, but you know, the Catholic Church is not growing. My God, it's dying on the vine. And you know why? Because they're living by a man. That which they had knowledge of religious things has been taken from them and now they are killing not physically but spiritually they are assassinating each other fighting over doctrine people go to church right next door to each other but one church says I believe this and another church says I believe that and therefore the people don't even talk to one another am I right about it now, this red horseman has taken, you know what? The most tormented people you will ever meet spiritually, you meet them right in church. Amen? The most tormented people there are, are people that have religious knowledge. And you know who the really tormented folk are? Are folk that try to walk after the flesh. Have you ever looked at how many people in the church have nervous breakdowns? And, have, and, and I'm going to tell you something in case you're not aware. The ministry, percentage-wise, probably has one of the highest percentage of nervous breakdowns in any other profession. And you know why? Because the majority of ministries walk after the flesh. Not all. I say a majority. And they promote things that are fleshly in nature. Don't do this, don't do that, don't wear this, don't wear that. And the problem is, they are condemned by their own tongue. They can't do what they tell everybody else to do. Hello? And because they can't, they have a nervous breakdown. 
Oh, God, I'm no good. And you notice when they have a nervous breakdown, they go off. And you know, a lot of, and sometimes it's not well publicized in the church. But, but you know, there's a man where my daddy pastored. And, and I just talked to my mama yesterday. She was telling me this man came out of the church that my father pastored. And this guy was a hard nose. You know what I mean? I mean, you had to toe the line. And the last time I went up to where I'm from to hold a meeting, he told all of his people not to come because, you know, I don't get hung up on the flesh. I, don't, I ain't got time. And he told his people not to go because I was one of these preachers that was just too liberal, didn't care what people did. And you know what? He's right. I don't care what you do. Because, see, I get the fullness of Christ uh, alive in you. I know what you're going to do. <laughs> and if God, huh? Folks, if God can't make you do the right things, this little old man standing up here can't. Sorry about that. I'm sorry. If you think a man can keep you in line, honey, you better pack your bags. You are definitely in the wrong place. If you're looking for some man to tell you how to dress and where to go and what not to go, you are in you, you. Maybe you can't handle liberty. Maybe you do need somebody to tie you up and whip you like a little child. You, you're not, you, you won't enjoy it around here. Because you'll never hear Brother Paul preach against the things of the flesh. Because preaching against them won't set you free from them. I got to tell you what will set you free from them. It's like trying to preach hell to sinners. It's dumb. Someone said, they didn't know. Hell ain't going to save a sinner. I better tell him what's going to keep him from going there. Talk to Brother Paul. I can get up here. And some of us, see, some of y'all didn't even like that. And you know what? Well, bless God, I'll tell you what. They preached hell hop the night I got saved. Yeah, but that's not what saved you. Am I right? Jesus said, there's only one way to come. He said, no man cometh to me except he be drawn by the spirit huh all right now see some of y'all don't like that because boy we love to nail but bless god if you don't get right you're going to hell you're going to split hell wide open and i'm telling you this because i love you with friends like that who's preaching this me or you oh smile you all, some of y'all need to wake up on sunday and you know what's really tragic? Some of you right here were already in church this morning. And that's what you heard. Amen. Slipping and sliding, peeking and hiding. My God. And you know what's so ignorant? The folk up there preaching it were doing as much or more than anybody else in the place was. <laughs> Do you still love me? What about the rest of you? Someone said, Brother Paul, you mean I can smoke and come here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brother Paul, you mean I can mess up once in a while and come here? Yeah. I won't throw you out. And in fact, you know what? You can even tell me about it. And Uh-huh. And I ain't going to bust you over. I'm going to pray for you. I'll go one step farther. If you do mess up, you need to be here. Hello. The one time when you really need some help, that's the time religion turns you off. Well, you messed up. 
You fouled up. Get out of here, you whore. Honey, I got news for you. When you fall short of the fullness of God, that's when you need his mercy. That's when you need his love. And that's when you need an intercessor and an advocate with the Father, which is Jesus Christ the righteous. Somebody say amen. See, I can see this blowing some of you folk away. See, my God, this, this is just too liberal for me. Folks, let me tell you something. The hardest thing ever anybody ever had to do was to meet God's standards of the Spirit. Because you know what? It requires total consecration, total dedication. That's not something that comes by putting a wig on or taking one off. All right, now, if you'll notice... Folks, the religious realm is tormented. And you know what else happens? They hate it when people like you come into the peace of God and that come into the knowledge of your spiritual identity. You don't, I, I, I'm going to say this because it, it happened. And if you happen to be here, you'll know who you are. A couple weeks ago, we came in and somebody was having a service here. <laughs> and I mean, they were up here carrying on just... And you know, I, 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 I started to say something and I didn't. But you know, the people that had been coming to these services, they were all sitting in the back and they were laughing. <laughs> and not because they thought it was funny, but really probably more than anything else, of how ignorant it really was. You feel sorry for them. Because they're in bondage. Amen? You know, and, and, and instead of coming into a positive relationship towards God, you know, it's like God's a big old booger man walking around with a stick. Now, folks, God does dispense judgment. But see, I am his child. I've already been to judgment. And you know what his verdict was? Guilty! That's why you prayed, Lord, have mercy! That's why you prayed, God forgive me. Amen. And you know what was the neat about it? He did. Yeah. Huh? Isn't that neat? And you know something else? I didn't deserve it. And you know what was even more amazing? That when he gave me his mercy and he washed my sins away, he didn't tell me to change my hairstyle. He didn't change my body. The only thing he changed about me was my soul. Hello? But see, a lot of religion doesn't think God knows his own business. So they got to help him. Now God can take care of your soul, but you got to help God clean this temple up, honey. Now if it would have mattered to God, God would have taken care of it when he saved your soul. See, what God did, God lifted you up out of the realm of this natural man. The Bible said that if you are in Christ, the body is dead. Because of sin. Huh? It didn't say this man was going to get perfect. In fact, what Paul was meaning was that, look, your mistakes and your failures, this natural man is not what counts with God after you're born again. Now somebody said, oh, so that means I can just do anything. I no, you ding dong. You Avon lady. No, see, if you're of the right spirit inside, it's going to manifest in the natural. But see, you will notice the most tormented people there are are people that are in religious bondage. They have had their, they are tormented. They don't want people to be at peace. 
Uh, folks, I can tell you something. If you think I'm making this up, this is Sunday. Most churches have service on Sunday night. Go somewhere where they're preaching condemnation, hell, hot and heavy. And just, just if the time should ever come in testimony service or something, just say, you know, I'm so thankful that I know that my name is in the Lamb's book of life and there is nothing that can separate me from the love of God that all of my transgressions have been blotted out and that even when I do make a mistake it's not laid to my charge as sin honey they'll throw you out quicker than you know what hit you why because peace has been taken from them Jesus said even that which they have shall be taken from them. I don't know about you, but did, did, were any of you like me when you came to a point when you were in religious form and system that you just came and said, if there isn't more to this thing, I'm quitting. You did everything they told you to do. You kept all the rules and did all the things and you, it seemed instead of getting closer to God, you just uh, 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 feel like going through a routine. There's nothing there. And pretty soon you get so disgusted and you get so discouraged and they, you know they keep telling you believe God for a new Cadillac and for a new husband and a fur coat and a diamond ring and all of that stuff doesn't come. And after a while you say, Huh? Oh, don't tell me it hadn't happened. Then all of a sudden, you discover the pearl of great price. All right, now, go to the third horseman. Everybody's still with me, say amen. amen. But Paul's trying to get through the four horsemen today. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see. And I beheld... And behold, a black horse. And he that sat upon him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny. And three measures of barley for a penny. And see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. Now what this represents is famine. It rep now you have to understand Bible preaching or by biblical terminology. At that time, for th what is it a measure of what? Wheat for a penny and three measures of barley for a penny? Is that what it? Now that would be like a loaf of bread being 50 bucks it's the same analogy it represents famine and a shortage a shortage of that which satisfies the natural man but notice what does the voice say touch not neither the oil nor the wine now both of those represent the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, you know what this means? You eat of the wheat. You eat of the barley. The natural elements of the world. I don't just mean physical food. You eat of that which is carnal. 
But you know what you find? You're still hungry. You find that something is not there. Now you go back to the scripture that we read in Matthew 13. And unto him that hath not, even that which he hath, shall be taken from him. The natural elements will not satisfy. They do not bring soul satisfaction. But notice the voice said, leave the oil and the wine alone. Now let me just show you. The oil by itself and the wine by itself, natural man would... No, 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 just, let's get carnal for a minute. You got barley, you got wheat, you got wine, you got oil. Now you can take the oil, grind the wheat, cook the wheat, you know, to, to make like a bread, in the oil, use the oil. You can combine the elements to make food. The natural man would say, Well, if the wheat and the barley's gone, what good does the oil and wine do? See, because to the natural man, that's not what he needs. But when you look at it in the spirit, all that we need is represented not by the wheat and the barley. Paul said the kingdom of God is not meat and drink of the natural, but it is joy, righteousness, and peace in the Holy Ghost, which is represented by the oil and by the wine. Now, look right here. Some of you, if you have not encountered it, you will encounter it. People that are going to question, why are you coming here? You know, you, 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 you don't have a new home. Yes. You don't have a new car. Yes. Some of you come here and your car gets stolen. <laughs> Amen. Amen. They take your battery. Amen. Amen. And some of you wouldn't drive a good car down here anyhow. Amen. You understand what I'm talking about? In the natural element, they'll question, what are you going to that raggedy old building for? Huh? Now let me just tell you something. To them, you tell them, but I'm receiving from my soul. Huh? And you know what their answer is? Yeah, but honey, you got to have more than your soul minister to. No, 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 no. See, that's the whole problem. That's where the carnal mind doesn't understand. That more precious to us, not the elements of the world but the riches of the kingdom. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today than to be the king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. Now, folks, be honest with me. Sooner or later, when you're really, when you're really seeking, you come to the understanding that natural religion does not satisfy. I would say most of us try. 
You know, you get up in the choir and you know for the first six months, boy, you know it's really... Yeah. And you know, there's always somebody out of time. Uh, and, and let's be honest, for the first six months or the first year in natural religion, you know, it's kind of neat. You know, they, you know, they pet you and pump you up, you know, and you know, Sunday school. Uh, and, and then you know what you begin to find out? You, what? You know what I'm talking about over there? All right. Now, let me just tell you something. You notice after a while that people's commitment is not really first to God. And most of the time, it's not even first to these things. These things take a back seat. They preach commitment, but they don't practice what they preach. Now, Jesus said... They that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. Some of you right here a year ago or six months ago, if somebody would have told you that you'd be satisfied sitting in a rundown basement of a ballroom and hearing somebody preach on a hot Sunday afternoon when there's no air conditioning, you'd have said, What? Uh, but here you are. Now, not, you're not seeking after Brother Paul. Don't misunderstand me. But you realize that the revelation of the kingdom is what truly satisfies. Somebody hear me say amen. Some of you have found a peace that you've never had before. Some of you have found a complete joy in Christ that's not based on the natural elements of this world. All hell can be breaking loose round about you and yet you've still got a song to sing and there's still a praise in your soul because you know that your hand is in God's unchanging hand and you know that you're His child and that there is nothing that separates you from His love. Somebody, oh, Now, if you stop and think about it, folks, only Jesus can satisfy. What's the next horseman? I, I got to get through the four horsemen. Oh, let me, let me just say this. Uh, finishing up about the black horsemen. Folks, there is a great famine in religion today. There really is. And as I was saying earlier, for the first year, it's fun. But you know, after or six months, but then you know, after a while, look at a lot of people in the church. They don't look forward to going to the house of God. Look at a lot of preachers. It's just tired. You know, it's a job. Huh? Take more vacations than they spend time in the pulpit. Got a better golf score than they do saints saved. Y'all don't like this now. Worried about flying around in their plane. Go ahead and get quiet on me. I'm going to lay it on you anyhow. Roll up to church in their big limousine. Hello. Someone said, oh, you're just saying that because you ain't got it. Honey, if I want a limousine, I'd go out and buy one. Amen. And Brother Paul takes in over $2 million a year. This, this year be $2 million. We're shooting for $4 million next year. If Brother Paul wanted to go buy a limousine, I'd go buy a limousine. Amen. I have people that would buy one for me, but what am I going to do in a limousine? 
I guess I'd take you with me, couldn't I? I'd drive you around. I like drive. Uh, I'm like Jehu. Drive furiously. But see, God didn't call me to have a limousine. I don't even own the house I live in. My wife and I rent a party. If I needed a house, I'd have one. Hey, hello. And Brother Paul is not trying to lift himself up and play himself off against other people. What I'm trying to show you is this. I was not always this way. Oh, not at all. In fact, I began in the ministry, I will tell you, I was a hireling. I went around churches preaching revivals, made a good living, had a $150,000 home, had a $50,000 condominium. Hello? And then when God called me to radio and TV, had to sell it all. Put every dime of it into the work. Amen? You know why? God said, now if you're going to work for me, you're going to get your priorities in the right order. Hello? Somebody said, well, don't you worry about where you're going to live? No. Somebody said, you save them for a rainy day? No. <laughs> Only people that have rainy days are those that save for them. Are you still with Brother Paul? Amen. I'm going to quit here in a minute. Amen. As your faith is, you save and save. Well, one of these days, a rainy day is going to come. And sure enough, man, it comes and wipes you out. Oh, I sure am glad I had that saved back. Did it ever dawn on you? If you might not have saved and looked for a rainy day, it might never would have come. Hello! How am I getting off on this? Folks, there is a real famine. And, and, and if you think Brother Paul's making this up, go back to the church you came out of for a service. Look, look. Now, I can tell you, folks, I've been back, and I, they could not hogtie me there. My God, you go in there, and people look like the back end of hard time, sitting around, and you want to go shake hands with them, and they, you know, and you walk up to them, and you know, you just kind of, you want to greet them in the fullness of Christ, and you hug them, and they go, Huh? And you know, they really think you're strange when you walk up and <laughs> greet them with a holy kiss. Huh? What? Lust? Demon? Ah! You better say amen before I hit you over the head. Am I right about it? So carnal. You know, God forbid that God should use you. Like to give a message in tongues or something? Because, you know, you stand up be used of God and everybody goes, Whoa. Who does he think he is? Some of you know, because some of you have been back. Amen. And you know what? You thank God for liberty. You thank God where you can receive, whether it's here or somewhere else. You thank God for the liberty of the kingdom. Can you say amen? amen. All right, now, folks, if you really stop, and I can tell you, Brother Paul would not divulge who it is, but I know ministers that their ministry, the only reason they're keeping it on is because they have obligations to people. They don't believe what they preach. They're just putting on a program. And they are miserable. 
And you know why? Because they're not walking in truth. There is a real famine. Religious form, folks, does not satisfy. Not at all. Now, what's the next one? When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. And power was given unto them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts of the earth. Now really, if you want to understand the totality of this one, this really is the, what is the effect of what the first three bring. This is the final result. When fa spiritual famine comes, when spiritual peace is taken, when Antichrist spirit goes forth, the end result is death. Are you hearing, Brother Paul? Now, look at how many people in religion. And there are some right now that if they heard Brother Paul preach this, they'd say, I was crazy. They don't believe that the four horsemen have gone forth. Billy Graham just wrote a book, <laughs> The Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse. That one of these days, the hoofbeats are approaching. Kind of the man better wake up and realize that those horsemen are not approaching. Honey, they are wrecking havoc in the religious realms. They are damning the souls of men and women. They are destroying that which is not of God. Are you hearing, Brother Paul? Now, somebody said, well, Brother Paul, I can't believe that God would ordain all these things. Somebody get Zechariah 13. That's in the Old Testament. <laughs> somebody get Zechariah chapter 13. Stand up and start at the ninth verse. Can anybody find Zechariah? If you have it, stand up and read it. Zechariah 13. No. No, 13. Verse 8. And it shall come to pass that in all the land, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off shall be cut off and die. But the third part shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and do what? And I will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. They shall call where? On my name. And I will hear them. 
I will say it is my people, and they shall say, the Lord is my God. Y'all excuse me, I'm trying to find Zechariah. Now, now look at this, folks. God does not say he's going to take his people out of the fire. God said, I shall bring them through. God did not see. see let, me, let me show you something. Natural man looks at these four horsemen, makes them natural and say, glory to God, that's going to happen after the rapture. Hello? Glory to God, we're all going to be gone. And then these things are going to happen. Because, see, natural man doesn't think that God would let his people come through. Folks, that's exactly how we prove that we are his people. By coming through. Folks, it does not prove that you are a child of God just because you get out of trouble. No, what proves that you are a child of God is when you come through that trial and you can look back and say how I got over. I overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of his testimony. See, they tell you that if you're a child of God, you're never going to have any trouble. That's not true. If you're a child of God, what it mean, does mean when you do have trouble, you're going to come through. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Somebody clap your hands and say amen. Now let's look at this again. God said a third part shall be left in the land. And I'm going to work on that third part, God said. What did he say he's going to do? I will refine them. Now how does he do that? He said, I'm going to bring them through the fire. Some through the fire. Some through the flood. Some in great sorrow. Or in great tribulation. But all through the blood. Some in great sorrow. But God gives a song in the night season and all the day long. God said, I'm going to refine them as silver is refined. How's that going to happen? He's going to try it. You know what he's going to do? He's going to let that white horseman come and see if you're following. Oh, sure? God said, if you know me, Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they they don't run off after the glamour of somebody that looks high and mighty but they just follow that lowly shepherd how else does he let you be refined he unleashes that which takes peace from those that have not that which they have is taken from them 
And while everybody else around us is tormented with religious demons of fear, you rise in confidence. Don't lay your condemnation on me. There is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. Are you still with me tonight? Third, he says, I'm going to let famine come to take that which natural man wants. And I'm going to find out if you can live on the oil and the wine. The barley and the wheat, the natural realm, which will lead to famine. But if you seek those things which are above. Folks, that's a trial. And finally God says, look. The result of all that is that I send forth death. And even in the midst of death. You shall live. For he said, I will refine them as the silver is refined. I will try them as the gold is tried. Then shall they call. What? On my name and what? I will hear them and what else? I will say they are my people. And I am their God. Are they shy?